Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom, the podcast where we delve into the world of e-commerce and Amazon selling. I am your host, Naomi, and today we have a returning guest who is no stranger to the intricacies of Amazon seller policies and performance evaluations. Our guest today is none other than Chris McAbee, a former McCabe. McCabe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they're messing it up again. Do you want to start over? <laughs> I don't, but the Chris McCabe is going to be... Sorry, ChatGPT. I should have mentioned it. It's my Chat fault. ChatGPT. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for correcting You're me. You're welcome. So we're going to take it from our guest today is Chris McCabe. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. I'm ready. Okay. So our guest today is Chris McCabe, a former Amazonian who now dedicates his expertise to helping sellers communicate effectively with Amazon to protect and save their businesses. After years and years of evaluating sellers' account performance and enforcing Amazon policies, Chris launched e-commerce Chris. Through this platform and through his services, he educates sellers on how to think like Amazon, protect their accounts, and appeal listing restrictions and suspensions. But that is not all. Chris is also a fellow podcaster, hosting the Seller Performance Solution podcast, where he shares more of his insights and expertise. In our last chat with Chris on episode 277, we unpack some of the key strategies for keeping your account healthy and ensuring that it's up and running. We talked about the challenges and opportunities of of starting on Amazon. We talked about common mistakes made by Amazon sellers and how to troubleshoot them, the type of sellers Amazon is looking for, intellectual property issues, and the importance of proper documentations, as well as a few predictions for potential pitfalls for Amazon sellers in 2023. Today, we are back with Chris to dig deeper. Uh, we'll be discussing the common challenges and even some shady tactics that sellers are facing <laughs> now in 2023 and how to handle or even prevent them. So grab your coffee, sit back, and without further ado, welcome back to the show, Chris. Hello, how are you? Thank you. It's always great to talk to you about any of these wonderful topics. I think I look forward to your podcast more than I do my own podcast. Is that something I shouldn't be saying? No, no, not at all. You should be saying don't that. Don't tell Leah. Don't, don't tell Leah. Leah. Don't tell Leah. No, no. Yeah, it's it's yep. great to to hear that. And as I was saying, it's great to have you back on the podcast. And we are going to dive right in, right? Yeah. As we were talking about, it's happening. This is not going mm -hmm. to be a masterclass of two hours of take notes of how should you perceive blackhead taxes or what should you be doing for black taxes but this is going to be hey you have to protect yourself so yeah. my very first question is going to be within the last six months which were the blackhead tactics or yeah blackhead tactics let's put it that way that you've seen more and more often and how amazon sellers just like oh, okay chris just help me because i don't know how to deal with this yeah, and I'm glad I brought up Leah McHugh. She does the podcast with us and works with us as a consultant. Um, Leah is seeing much more brand registry abuse, compliance-related abuse. Sometimes it's not so much abuse as it is a competitor realizes that you might not have your compliance documentation in okay. order for the type of product you, that your brand is. Mm -hmm. um, and they report you just on the off chance that Amazon will accept the report as valid and ask you for compliance documentation. Sometimes they ask for supplier info. They mm -hmm. want to know who's manufacturing the product. They want invoices, right? They want to see a link to the supplier website. So one of the tactics they use is to 
report you just on the off chance that Amazon won't like your supplier's website and they'll reject it, or they won't like your invoice, they'll kick it back to you and say, send us a better one, or they won't like something about your product that could be compliance related. Um, sometimes competitors are reporting things via brand registry about you. Sometimes they're reporting it to abuse prevention teams. But in terms of preventing a suspension or preventing any black hats from attacking you, the best defense is to have everything organized and in order on your side, just in case there's an attack. All compliance documentation, ready to go. All invoices in your hands, ready to go. You don't have to ask any supplier for an invoice for any product that they, that they make for you. Got it. Um, you've already looked at the quality of your supplier's website. And this goes to anyone for any type of supplier. It could be your manufacturer, could be your factory. Everyone has to have a website. And this means even if they don't have a website and you have to get them a website or help them make a website, I'm obviously not recommending that you do it all without their knowledge, but they need to have a website. Mm. And your competitors know this and they know that they can attack you from all kinds of angles, verifying information, confirmation of authenticity, proving that your manufacturer is a legitimate supplier for the types of items that you sell. So every brand owner has to have that kind of preparation in hand in advance, because to answer your question, the last few months, what we've seen is lots of, for example, fake compliance reports or complaints, fake intellectual property complaints. Um, that just forces Amazon to double check you and ask you for different types of documentation. Unfortunately, a lot of the brands we talk to don't have doc that type of documentation or info on their supplier ready to go. So they have to scramble, right? They mm -hmm. waste a couple days or even a week trying to pull it together. Your competitors know this. They know it might be possible that you don't have this ready. And it's like a stress test, right? It's just like hackers attacking a website. They're attacking it to see if it falls. They're testing your strength. And if you look weak, that means you're a soft target and they're going to keep coming after you and they're going to keep testing you until you can fix things quickly. If you're prepared, you're organized, you know how to appeal, you know where your documentation is, um, your intellectual property is locked down. That tells them that you're not a soft target, you're a strong target and they'll move on to someone else. Mm, love it. All right, so then as a good practice or even as an SE, SOP, it could be mm -hmm. prepare document X, Y, Z, prepare, ensure that uh, our supplier has a website, ensure. By the way, like uh, regards website, since most sellers are still using Alibaba, is Alibaba usable? Should it be their own website? How would you go about that? I hope most sellers are not using Alibaba. Okay. Um, if you give Amazon a website for a manufacturer or supplier and it's, one of those Alibaba storefronts, mm -hmm. they often don't take it. Okay. So that's why I hope that's not what people are doing. Okay. I hope people are sourcing their own, locating their own manufacturers without doing the Alibaba way and doing it that way. Um, or I hope at least if you find them on Alibaba, they have their own website. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm also upfront. Like mo most mm -hmm. nowadays, most softwares is going to be okay. Look, we, we are dealing doing this deal with Alibaba. You can hand, mm -hmm. find it right on Alibaba and so on. So like being straight, you know, uh, there's still like a lot of people doing business through Alibaba and so on, you know, so then yeah, I hope I, they have more info, though, not just yeah. an Alibaba storefront. You have to have a lot more 
documentation. I mean, when Amazon asks for supply chain documentation, and when they say we couldn't verify your supplier, it means that they checked what you gave them and they didn't think it was enough. It wasn't strong enough. It wasn't enough evidence that the types of products you're selling are reliably sourced from that supplier, reliably produced by that supplier, or verifiable as an established source from that supplier. And if that's the case, they take you in circles, right? People keep sending invoices, getting it yeah. rejected. Yeah. Don't know why it's rejected. They call account health, account health may or may not give them a good answer. Appeal again, gets rejected again. The reason why you hear some sellers saying, I called Amazon 10 times, or I talked to account health 15 times, or I appealed it six times. Well, why is the quantity of appeals and calls and follow-ups so high? Well, it's because they're going in circles, which yes. begs the question, why are they going in circles? They didn't have what they're supposed to have from the beginning. Mm. And that demotivates Amazon teams. I'm not saying this is fair yep. or justifiable, but it demotivates them from doing a good job, from reviewing what you have. But it also makes them think that your sourcing isn't strong enough. Your evidence is not strong enough. You won't be able to defend yourself against inauthentic complaints or intellectual property complaints, even if they think that you're copying someone's patent, using someone's copyright, using somebody's trademark. And I think a lot of black hat conversation that we have today is going to be about intellectual property abuse simply because a lot of competitors are reporting each other for intellectual property violations just to see what sticks mm. and just to see how, like I was saying a moment ago, how quickly you defend yourself and how well you defend yourself. If they know you're not working with an IP attorney or you're working with an attorney that you just Googled and found online and you don't even know if they're experts in intellectual property, which applies to most of the attorneys in the Amazon space, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. but some of them are intellectual property. If they don't think your intellectual property is established and locked down and impenetrable, in other words, if you can't defend yourself, then they say, great, we can accuse them of ripping off our patent, trademark keywords, copyright infringement, copying other people's images. And we know that Amazon won't back them up. They will back us up when we report them because they understand how abuse works, how disputing abusive complaints works and you as the brand owner don't understand it. Mm. So it's kind of like self-perpetuating cycle, right? Yeah. The, the more they think you can't defend yourself, the more they come at you. The more you can fight back and push them away, the less worth their time you are and the more worth it it is for them to go on to somebody who they know is not working with an IP attorney or they know that they don't understand intellectual property or they know they don't understand Amazon. They move on to someone else. So your objective should not be, well, we got attacked. We're going to get that seller suspended by the end of the business today. That would mm -hmm. be wonderful. Yeah. But your approach should be, we're going to discourage them from attacking us and they're going to have to move on to somebody else. I like that a lot. And I also think that while we are talking kind of like a high level, you know, most mm -hmm. sellers are not really there. They don't really understand even IP. Like what is yeah. IP trademark and so on, you know, and again, that is not necessarily an excuse because as we discussed in our previous show, it was really Amazon expects from us to act as big business, mm -hmm. to be knowledgeable as a big business and also to have the employees, the staff members that a big business would have. So whenever this yeah. is happening, you know, you're talking about a very specific IP attorney, like that's super, mm -hmm. super niche, you know, term. So. Getting back to, to, to my question, 
which are the most important things right now that you think most sellers should be looking at if they are okay i just listen to this podcast and for me mm -hmm. like woof, you know all over my head yeah so firstly the compliance issues i raised secondly was the intellectual property that we just talked about yeah the third way would be making sure that your async contributions are locked down and protected your flat files are syncing through amazon's api you're not allowing anyone to add any backend keywords to, to your ASINs. Um, you're protecting those ASIN contributions by making sure you have ASIN priority. Mm. You are checking back on that. You have an ASIN compliance, ASIN contribution compliance person in your company who knows what that means, who masters your flat files, who is making sure that there are no vacant fields in your ASIN contributions that someone else, an illicit party could jump on and insert a value into that field, which would get your listings flagged. So for example, a lot of people have listings suspended right now and Amazon asks for compliance documentation simply because someone else will illicitly add a term like coronavirus yeah. into that field yeah. or pesticide, right? That's a popular one. Or even things like cannabis or marijuana or any term that will get that listing flagged. And then Amazon doesn't necessarily know you're under attack. You're, you're responsible for reporting that. But also you're responsible for knowing, hey, this is what our last contribution to the to catalog was. This is what our flat file said. You call catalog, you show them your flat files. You say, we did not have this term in our flat files. Someone else inserted that term. Mm -hmm. Someone without async contribution authority sabotaged our listings. People refer to this in different ways. Sometimes they call it a detail page attack or a hijack or async contribution abuse. The bottom line is, show it to Amazon, show it the right way, prove what you had in there versus what's in there and make sure they get help you get those terms removed so that you can get the listing back live and you can regain control of those ASIN contributions. Definitely high level stuff. Yeah. But like you said, this is something any brand at any level of this ecosystem needs to understand. And you can't just, I mean, part of what I wanted to talk about today was how sellers respond when these things happen to them and and whether or not they're being attacked or Amazon made a mistake, maybe sometimes it is an, an Amazon mistake and it's not a competitor attacking you. Yeah. Either way, we see a lot of sellers responding really poorly and with bad, with no best practices plan or with bad approach and bad strategy. And what do I mean by that? They open up a seller support case with low level support reps and they wait, even though that case has no chance of helping them. They don't understand what a call the catalog team has to accomplish. They don't understand how to report abuse, the email queues involved, the teams involved. Sometimes they write a Jeff at Amazon email to go to executive seller relations without understanding that that's a really old, poor method of getting your concerns addressed. Sometimes they write to Andy Jassy. There's all sorts of old ways that they find out about in some mastermind or some group yeah, or they read about it on a forum post or they look on some really, really low level Facebook group and they do it and they don't ever think maybe I'm not doing something that helps. That's what concerns me the most. High level problems require high level strategies. And also if Amazonians look at what you're doing and they see 
oh, this person's just opening up support cases, or they're just writing to Jeff, who's not even the CEO anymore, or they're just, you know, calling account health and complaining. And that tells Amazon, you don't care enough to take the time to learn and to research what needs to be done. And they think you don't know what to do. You're just going to complain about not knowing what to do, or you're just going to complain that Amazon's not doing enough. So it impacts their motivation. Mm. They're less motivated to get you out of the way. Yeah. Well, how do they get you out of the way? They help, they fix the problem for you, right? 100%. But if they know you don't know how to complain the right way and to the right teams or the right people, or you don't know where to complain at a high level, they just assume you'll keep opening cases after they close, or you'll keep sending emails to generic email addresses. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing just because it's kind of absurd that we even have to talk about this, but it's extremely common, you know? And so I just caution people. And also the more you waste time on that, you don't have time to spend on doing it the right way. You're only wasting time on the wrong methods. So. I love that. And I, I love the insights. I think, again, I'm not sure if I had a discussion with you or we had a previous guest on, but it was like, it's the mom and pop or it's like maybe a one person show two people mm-hmm. are behind this business and they started i don't know five years ago they are now successful and so on and they are trying to figure still things out by themselves so i also think that there's also this concept of i should be doing it and this is why i am doing it you know it's not really understanding the high level stuff as you were saying right. because really understanding that would have motivated you okay i I am an expert in XYZ in like finding right. the right product and so on, but I have no clue how to deal with cases and so on. And it's funny, we just recently had a client and we just had a discussion about that. And I was telling them, look, we are doing full account management, but opening up cases and really solving your problem, you know, that's not actually account management. That is really True. a different department, you know? And it was like, True. what do you mean that full account management? I was like, no, you know, we are providing PPC, we are providing SEO, we are making you successful and helping right. you also with inventory, you know, but it was like interesting to see that reaction, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the same reaction that you would see, not only the one, like one brand, but like most of them, you know, so it's really And I understand the psychology of wanting to do it yourself. Um, I understand that not everyone is a huge brand. Some people are only a year or 18 months into it, mm-hmm. and they might not have the resources to necessarily... Uh, hire us to do everything for them. Yeah. But the, that's the bad news, I suppose. But the good news is never more than now are there so many resources that are public yeah. that are free or close to free that are out there that they can use. There's so much information out there. You have to, of course, do your homework and vet the quality of, of the information. You can't yeah. just read six articles in a row and assume all of them have great information just because you've read a quantity of articles doesn't mean the quality is there. You still have to fact check, but the information mostly is out there on podcasts and blogs and articles. And sometimes Amazon shares tidbits of information. Sometimes companies like ours or other companies that we don't necessarily agencies that we don't necessarily work with might have some information, but there is a lot of knowledge out there about how to escalate these things than ever before. And that makes it kind of less of an excuse for you to say, well, we only opened up seller support cases because we didn't know any better and because we're new. You can't really use that as a reason anymore. There are resources out there. Um, A lot of people don't 
hire us necessarily to take over everything. They might only pay us for like a 60 minute call, like a one hour call just to figure out how to do it themselves. The only reason we offer a one hour consult to begin with is for people who want to do it themselves. It's not to have us do everything in 60 minutes, obviously. 100%. Um, So there are reasonable ways of pursuing this. You do have to decide early on, am I handling this myself? Or is this so big and so overwhelming and so difficult and, and so complex that I need to hire an expert to do it? You do have to decide, am I going to handle this not being an expert myself or do I need an expert right from the beginning? Yes, that decision should be made really early. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you can't make an effective decision based on the right criteria. 100%. So getting back to, again, shady black hat tactics we were talking about, Mm-hmm. Um, simply not knowing or being a newbie, it's not good enough reason for you to right. not be prepared. Uh, what other things do you see that are common, most common cases are coming up with just because people don't know better? Yeah, I've got a new one um, mm-hmm. from our last talk, right. and this one's a little bit scary. We have mm-hmm. seen sellers successfully report abusive competitors and get their listings suspended or get their, like if they clearly stockpiled fake five-star reviews by giving things away, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. by asking for a five-star review. Yeah. Sellers are seeing more progress, which is great news on the Amazon side. It means Amazon's taking it more seriously. They're taking more action against fake reviews and, and, and competitors who are abusive. That's the good news. The bad news, unfortunately, is that Amazon is reinstating some of those sellers very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so the new tactic we've seen is that some of these reviews are deleted but they come back. Some of the ASINs are suspended by your fraudulent competitors, but they come right back or the account is suspended and you'll think they're banned and they're blocked permanently, but they come back within a week or within a few days. So that's scary. And I understand that's quite an overwhelming challenge. All that means to you is that you have to come back twice, twice as hard, twice as often. Why is the seller reinstated? Keep an eye on them. Maybe they're still sending out inserts in their packaging that are still asking for five-star reviews in exchange for a gift card. I've seen this happen. Uh, We have multiple case studies where sellers have gone right back to the abuse because they were reinstated so quickly. Well, that means you can keep following them. You can keep reporting them to Amazon and and you should have more success the second time because they're a recurring offender, right? They're like a repeat offender. Yeah. The same as the United States judicial system, at least in theory, if you are released from prison and you go back to doing the same exact thing you were doing to get yourself arrested and convicted, the judge or the jury will be much less sympathetic to you, right? You should have a much longer sentence the second time. Well, on Amazon, if you're blocked for the same thing twice, that is supposed to be, in theory, that's supposed to be the end of you. So on the one hand, there's the warning for all sellers, don't be caught reoffending, breaking any laws or breaking any Amazon policies, but also your competition. We, we've unfortunately recently seen a lot of black hat sellers coming back, bouncing back very quickly. Make sure you're tracking them and following what they're doing so that you can report them again for being a two-time loser because they should get banned permanently. Do not let your guard down and forget about them and assume it's over just because you see Amazon deleting some of their reviews, suspending a nascent or deleting or blocking their account, because that could be the first step of several subsequent steps you have to take. 
All right, so I'm going to there, and my mm -hmm. question there is going to yes. be: uh, I have seen firsthandly this exactly what you're talking about, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes what's happening, maybe the account or the product is going to be gone for a day two, but mm -hmm. then they are back. My question there is because they might be selling a lot of volume, Amazon still consider that they are relevant and they mm -hmm. are good to go, you know? Like, what would you do in that scenarios? Which is the next extent that you would go to? Which is the next, I don't know. Is there a next extent that you would go to? Is there yeah. something that you can do? There is something you can do if they're a large, you're talking about a large volume seller that yes. you don't think Amazon wants to yeah. ban, then they probably have an account manager. And maybe mm -hmm. the account manager is helping them in ways they should not be helping them. Okay. Um, you can't always assume they have an account manager, but often they do if they're of a certain size. And you can at least bring it up when you make an abuse report to Amazon. Do they have an account manager? If you want, call the account manager what the name is, a SAM, Strategic Account Manager. It's an acronym. Mm -hmm. Or you could just say account manager. But the bottom line is, ask Amazon, is there an account manager helping them? Is there an account manager protecting them? despite the abuse and also identify it from the buyer's perspective. What types of harm could happen to an Amazon or an American consumer or a British consumer, European consumer, because that seller has been reinstated? Yeah. Are the fake reviews going to mean that consumers are harmed with misinformation and with fraudulent business tactics? Well, why would Amazon want to completely ruin buyer experience, which is supposed to be their number one goal of having the marketplace? Jeff always said this, buyer experience, number one. Well, yeah. it's a terrible buyer experience if somebody that should have been banned is back and is a risk to the public or a risk to other businesses or both, right? But you can also phrase it like, well, this person's harming Amazon too, harming Amazon's reputation. And maybe they've got an account manager who's also working against their own company and harming their own company's reputation because the integrity of the seller investigation process is now a question mark or is in doubt because you continually reinstate sellers. In our work, in our consulting, we constantly have people saying, it's three Chinese sellers, it's six Chinese sellers, it's one Chinese seller. They're always, always showing us Chinese sellers. Sometimes it is Chinese sellers, um, but you can't assume that, yes. number one. Number two, any seller who's doing black hat needs to be reported regardless of where it's coming from. Don't focus on the fact that they're Chinese. Amazon knows there's tons of Chinese sellers. Everyone in the world knows there's tons of Chinese sellers on .com, in the UK, in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and so forth. Um, don't have that be the basis of your argument. Go at them with data. Go at them with facts. If Amazon's ignoring all your wonderful data and all your factual information, then yes, you should be angry and upset about that. And you should keep escalating it and you shouldn't give up. Um, I mean, that's maybe my other words of advice today is I know you're frustrated. I know you're angry. I know a lot of negative emotion comes out of this because you work hard on your brand and on building your business and somebody can come along and harm you just like that. But keep in mind that the black hat competitor attacking you is expecting you to give up mm. and they're expecting you to be discouraged. They're counting on it. It's part of their calculus. Is it worth our time and money attacking this seller? Well, the longer it takes you to fix things, and the more you look discouraged or confused or disorganized or flustered, that encourages them and emboldens them. Well, the same thing goes with Amazon. If Amazon thinks that you're going to settle for an answer that's not satisfactory, like a generic copy and paste answer, 
in the seller support case, or you call up account health and you complain and you ask for guidance and they give you some ridiculous story that has nothing to do with what's going on. If you shut your mouth and quietly put your head down and walk away, you're kind of helping Amazon get away with something and you're helping them forget about you. And that's not how this works. You're letting Amazon kind of push the, the work onto somebody else's shoulders, or you're sort of swallowing all of that terrible news and information yourself yeah. and you're harming yourself two times over. And that's kind of what the black hats want you to do. So do not let frustration get the better of you. Do not get angry beyond the point of what's helpful in terms of delivering factual information and don't get confused about what you need to do next have a very clear strategy with clear goals super wise advice my friend super super wise are there any questions or are there any topics that we should have discussed about until this point um just mostly want to encourage people to find reliable sources i mean you mentioned full account management um, a lot of full account agencies don't really do what we do. They don't have a compliance arm or they don't have experience with abuse or they're familiar with black hat tactics and they know some of the beginning stages of what to look for, but they don't know what to do about it. And they think about it for a day or two and then they come back with, well, start by opening a case or what did Amazon tell you to do? Well, do that first. They don't really have a strategy. So vet your services for knowledge and expertise but beyond that make sure they have an actual strategy with a part a part b well if part b doesn't work what's part c what's part d you're not just guessing or they're not just guessing or they maybe in the beginning they're deciding hey we'll try one thing for you if that doesn't work we're going to have to call out for help with an agency that we've worked with in the past and it's the same thing we would do there's a bunch of things we don't do for sellers right we're experts in our core areas of knowledge and you know expertise we don't offer everything so if somebody asks us about let's say reimbursement or financial claim services yeah. we would refer them out but we don't refer them just anywhere we want to make sure they get good help the same thing with your agency referring work to us or with somebody who's supposed to be knowledgeable about abuse ask a lot of questions make sure they're knowledgeable about the type of abuse that's happening and make sure that they're if you're working with an agency that they're vetting who they work with but also do your own homework do your own fact checking don't just blame your agency for sending you the wrong the wrong place because ultimately it's your brand your business the buck stops with you and it's up to you to make the right decision about how to react because if you start going down the, the wrong road for one mile or two miles or three miles or for one week or two weeks or three weeks that means you've lost three weeks of revenue you've lost three weeks of time and you have to come all the way back down that road to go down a different road. Imagine um, whoever's been to Paris, right? If you've been to um, Arc de Triomphe, right? In the center of Paris, Napoleon built it, what, 1801 or something. You see all those avenues that come out. It's like, it's like rays from, of sunshine, right? From the yeah. sun. There's seven or eight different roads that go from that monument. So if you go all the way down that avenue, you have to come all the way back just to go down a different road. You don't want to have to waste that time. You're only harming yourself if you do that. So have the strategy in place and ready to go before you ever get attacked. Then you'll discourage your attackers from hitting you. Best ending ever. Loved it. <laughs> All right. 
But before I let you we go, we finished in Paris. I can't we, do. We any finished in than Paris. That. So you can yes. you cannot overtop that. Yeah. <laughs> we finished with Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. There so, you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the best I can do today. That's the best. Oh, it's all right. Yeah. So within the last thirty days or month, let's say, mm -hmm. do you have anything new, a book or something that you've been okay? This is something that I would highly recommend anyone else as well. You know what I've been reading for the past month is mm -hmm. because of all the bank failures in Silicon Valley, okay. I kind of went back and started reading some of those 2008 books again that I haven't seen in 15 years when the original bank, uh, the subprime mortgages and the bank failures were happening. And I was looking at the Silicon Valley bank that failed and First Republic Bank failed. And what I, I don't have a particular book. Um, I mean, I do have this book from 2008, All the Devils Are Here. Love it. All right. Yes. But this is a 2008 book. There will undoubtedly be a new book that comes out about what's happening now with people trusting their money to the wrong banks. The story is fundamentally the same. It's people not asking enough questions, not enough due diligence, assuming that banking experts were the best experts in the business and that they, and that they wouldn't make mistakes and that they wouldn't harm their customers. So mm. the lessons I'm learning in the last 30 days are whether it's the Amazon space or financial services or banking or the ad space or anything you might be involved in, do your own homework, fact check what experts are telling you, make sure the experts actually are experts and make sure they're doing their homework on trends and make sure they're not in the same place you are. Because the last thing you wanna do in the Amazon space is pay somebody for expertise and they don't know any more or less than you do because yeah. you could pay them zero and be doing it yourself and be in the same or in a better position than you are if you're paying somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. So whether it's the banking crisis, the current one or the 2008 one, or what to do with your A-plus content or what to do with ads, what to do with how to appeal for ACE and reinstatement or for an abusive attack on your brand, do that due diligence, maybe even hire a compliance officer for your company somebody whose job is to every day be familiar with Amazon compliance, but also to be monitoring what's going on in the space and to monitor these trends, because I can't tell you how often I talk to people uh, who have a phone call with me or emailing with me. And they, the first thing they tell me is, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah. Until I talked to you, I didn't even know this was going on. Yeah. I want to ideally get to the day where no one says that to me and everyone at least knows what's happening. 100%. And for the lazy folks out there, quote unquote, <laughs> I can also recommend a, a movie based on what you were saying in 2008. It's, it's called Big Short, and they are mm -hmm. like quite famous actors playing in it. So, but yeah. that's the, the idea of the movie. If you're a movie person, you can watch that as well. I have a movie too. There's a movie about, there's a documentary on the 2008 um, stock market and banking crisis called Panic. Very All easy right. to remember. Brilliant. It's a documentary and it's interviews with all of the experts, um, the head of the U.S. Department of the Treasury, Department of Commerce, uh, former President George Bush is in it. Everybody's in it. And right. it just shows you that expertise only gets you so far. Mm. Not everyone can plan for everything. It goes on my to-do list. Yes. yes. Panic. <laughs> panic. Don't thank panic. You. Watch panic. Yes. <laughs> loved it chris thank you so so much for being on the show as always it's a pleasure to have you on and thank you so thank so much you. for sharing your expertise with us as always it's like i love whenever i have experts on the show and i'm happy to say that you're an expert within the thank niche you. of amazon 
to our listeners thank you so so much for listening in be sure to chime in next wednesday because i'll be back with them much love take care